welcome to Diversity in Tech podcast, the podcast that brings you expert advice and unique insights on diversity and inclusion in the tech industry. Whether you're a software developer, a designer, a CTO or a people manager, we're here to help make your workplace more accessible, open and equitable. This podcast is brought to you by Dint, diversity and inclusion in tech. Join our global community by visiting us at dintglobal.com. That's D-I-N-T global. Com. I'm Davina and I'm Richard and we're the co-founders of Dint. Hello and welcome everybody to our Dint podcast, a very special episode this time. This one is about parenting but specifically about fatherhood. Because of course, when we think of parenting, most of us talk about mums and the hard time that we all have. But actually, the the fathers of this world are, are largely forgotten in these conversations. But I'm glad to say that we have a world-leading expert and podcaster on the topic, Kevin Maguire, with us. And normally, I would now ask Kevin to introduce himself. But I'm actually going to ask my co-host, Richard, to introduce himself and Kevin, because he's been an avid follower of Kevin's for quite some time now. Yes. So as Dint listeners will know... Um, we have lots and lots of interest across lots and lots of things, but but for me, this is a really key topic that affects my life every day, and is something that I cannot wait to learn about. I've followed Kevin since the start of New Fatherhood, and it's just I find his work both inspirational, interesting. I learn something from it every single time I read something, so I kind of fanboyed him into coming on. I'm just so excited about what we're going to learn. For me, this is this is one of the most exciting podcasts we've ever done. Wow! Thank you very much. I think, you know, Davina, what you said is is so true, which is we're very focused on the kind of like trials and tribulations that working, that mothers go through, but working mothers especially. I do think that dads are being asked to really step up. And part of the thing that drove me to start the new fatherhood really was this idea of how much fatherhood has changed just for, for this generation of men and how we are being asked to really do a lot more than our dads were before us. The job of a dad used to be very simple. And it was kind of, you know, provide some sperm, put a roof over everyone's head, make sure that everyone gets like fed and there's money coming into the house. And I think that the goalposts have dramatically shifted. We're being expected to be more emotionally available with our partners and our children all the way along the kind of process and still be successful at work, but also be a very present dad, be there to emotionally support the children. The thing that's incredibly interesting to me is a lot of the difficulties that men are facing and fathers are facing right now, there are real echoes to the same struggles that women have been facing for the last like 50 or 100 years of, oh, I'm expected to go back to work now and still be a great parent and still be a good partner and a great friend and a good son and sibling like and all these things and i don't think that that's a conversation that many men have yet had even with themselves but definitely with other men so i think it's a big part of the new fatherhood is i talk about this idea of an open and honest conversation around fatherhood because i think one thing that's very different for men who are struggling with these issues is we don't talk about them 
and we just push them down and pretend they don't exist until they manifest themselves in other ways. A big thing that I realized when my son was born, like when my when my daughter was born, I went back to, I had about four weeks paternity leave and I went back to work. And even then at four weeks in 2014, it was like, oh, this is good. I get four weeks. It was like, that was kind of great at the time. And then when my son was born in 2019, I took a, a big chunk of time off. I immediately realized how hard it is to be a stay-at-home parent. You know, like when you go you go back to work and you just, you, you are, sure you're working, but you're your own person again. You can go to the toilet without having to carry a baby in there with you. You can <laughs> like go out for a coffee and just like walk around the streets for like 15 minutes and have a bit of time for yourself. That part was was one part. And then I, and then I very quickly realized the amazing support network that my wife had of other mums who were really looking out for her because they knew what it's like to be a stay-at-home mum. I remember seeing a message from a friend of hers and it was kind of like one of these huge like takes up two screens worth of the iPhone. You have to like scroll <laughs> through it. And I was, I was like, I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, what is up? Is, is she okay? And she was like, yeah, she's fine. She's just checking in on me. And there was this, these, these, these two feelings, one of which was a, a real sense of comfort that my wife had people like that looking after her. And then the other thing was jealousy. Mm. I was like, where is my, I remember I wrote something about it. Her name was Jenny. I was like, where's my Jenny? <laughs> Like, and, I wrote, and this was like one of the first things that I wrote about right in the early days. When my son was born, I uh, kind of went through a, a, a rough time and I, I ended up realizing it was uh, paternal postnatal depression. And I had to kind of like figure it out because there was very little written about it online. There was a lot of, um, mine, for example, wouldn't recognize it as an issue. And they called it just like depression in dads. There are some people who feel very strongly that postnatal depression is only something that women can have because it's related to the hormones of giving birth and everything like that. And that's completely true. It absolutely is. But it's also related to the environmental factors and the loss of self and the grief around an old life that's got like and all these kind of things and unpacking. There's an awful lot that happens, right? And it happens for a dad as as much as for a mum in many ways. And and especially now, like more so for dads today than 30 years ago. When they just went back to work, you know, like, oh, it's okay. I'm a bit more, I'm working and I'm a bit more stressed, but you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. The whole, um, I go to work, I'll sleep on the sofa downstairs. You make sure that kid is like quiet during the night and kind of the old kind of version of a dad. It just doesn't exist anymore. Got a beautiful, amazing daughter and she's three years old and I've got a wonderful, incredible son and he's nine months. I have friends and we all feel the same. It's like you thrust into this thing and you've got no idea the impact that it's going to have on your life. And you're right. I don't want to be all like blokey bloke, lads, lads, football, football, but we don't talk about it in a healthy way. Like I speak about this with my friends all day long. It's like, oh, so-and-so has done this and I've got to be working and then I've got to look after the child. I'm so angry. It needs a dressing and, and a form. Do you know I mean, we need Jennies. For me, I, I talk to a lot of people who are going to be new dads. I'm like, if you ever want to chat, like, just give me a shout. And they look yeah. at me like I've got two heads. And I do the same now as well, Rich. And I, and I, because of what I went through, I'm very intentional about reaching out to people who've had kids. And nine times out of 10, people are like, yeah, I'm a bit tired and da-da-da, but things are going great and da-da-da. And then there's the, and then there's that other time where someone will read it and say, I didn't know that this was a thing. And I'm so glad that you got in touch because I'm going through exactly this right now. I didn't know that I need help and I need some help. And, and it's like, okay, great. Like, let me tell you how, how I kind of manage some of these things. There's this thing in psychology called the vulnerability loop. If you are more open and vulnerable with a person, they can respond in two ways. They can step away and be like, whoa, huh, like TMI, no thank you. 
or they will lean forward and they will offer something back in return. And I realized over the course of that year when I was dealing with my PPND, I was actually getting to a deeper, richer place with these friendships that I had in my life. COVID was a real accelerant for that, I think, as well. I think there was a lot of men who were forced into the realization of what it is like to be a full-time parent, trying to be, support your partner and your and trying to be a great dad, but also trying to hold down a job. Or if you're like independent, like, like I am, like figuring out where like the next bit of income is going to come from and everything like that. So it, it really kickstarted something in my own life where it felt like the, the other dads that I was, I, that I would talk to wanted to talk about these things. And from there, I, I, the kind of like the newsletter became an obvious next step. So Kevin, you've obviously had a career in some incredible places and, and now you're working independently um, doing some amazing work. How did you recalibrate your life in many ways to fit children and, and the new things that were happening in your life? The short answer is, at first I didn't, if I'm being totally honest. I, when, my, when my daughter was born, I had the full paternity leave and then I went straight back to work. And I think I went back to work, but I went back to work and it felt a bit different, you know, and I was leaving on time so I could get home for bath times. I think we have all seen and worked with people who when they have kids things change and we've all seen the people who have kids and nothing changes and you know I've, I've definitely worked with quite a few of those people who will still be at the office at 10 or 11 o'clock every night dependent you know before they have kids and after they have kids as well and I was never that person I went to be home and I really like enjoyed spending time with my daughter when she was a baby. And then I had one boss who, he was the opposite. It, it definitely went against me. It was definitely a mark against me in my career that I was kind of like leaving to go home and to, to be a dad. So I was at Google for like close to 10 years. I left that team. I joined another team, moved to San Francisco. And then I got out there and I very quickly realized that that wasn't what I wanted. In a strange way, it was being surrounded by a group of people who really, really wanted it above all else. Ruthlessly ambitious. We did two years in San Francisco, and then we just decided we would do something else. And then we just hopped on a plane to Tokyo, me, my wife, and my daughter. We had a hotel to stay for the first few days, and we thought, we'll just give it a go. And we spent six months on the road. So we did... Japan, Korea, spent some time in Bali. We kind of like hopped around Europe on the way home. We came back, it was 2019. So we came back to the UK for that incredible summer. You know, it was like crazy heat wave and it was like six weeks of scorching weather. So we came back and it finished by the time we got back. And then we were really thinking about what we were going to do next from a career point of view. And I think I'd, I'd hit this realization that these tech jobs are, are very demanding and it had taken everything out of me. This friend of mine who turned around to me and said, hey, you know what, you used to be like really interesting and now all you do is your job. Yeah. And it was so perceptive in a way that sometimes only a friend can be. And I thought, yeah, you know what, he's right. When we were away and we took the time off, I thought, I don't wanna go back into that world again. We were trying to figure out what we were gonna do next. And then my wife did a pregnancy test then we realized we were expecting a second kid and it was like oh wow shit like, <laughs> what, whatever whatever our plan is we need to accelerate it now so we <laughs> we moved out here to barcelona and i had cracked this idea to like develop these workshops where i would go and work with these different brands 
but go away for a week and work on that for a week and then come back. And then the rest of the time I could like spend a lot more time at home. I kind of had this idea in my head, which was, you know, work is a bit like a Pac-Man, right? And you know, it's like work probably eats up 70% of the pie of your spare time. And I was like, I would like a trivial pursuit life. <laughs> you know where I would, like slice it up a little bit more i would like the parenting to take a much bigger part than it was and i would like this and then i would like to have a, something that i really believe in that i want to do and that that's what kind of like led to the new fatherhood so it was in a in a weird old way it was chasing the thing that i thought i really wanted and getting close to it and then realizing it wasn't what i wanted at all but really figuring out how i could rebalance my life in a way that felt closer to the the way that i wanted to live so let's say someone's listening and they're maybe not in a position to do what you've done and completely change their life whatever personal reasons that they are are dependent on this particular job or they don't have the freedom to change as much as you've changed how would you suggest that they go about moving the needle? I think it's all about defining or redefining what success means to you and what success looks like, I think. Because I think for many people, we have been trained to constantly be thinking about how we work our way up and how you move up the ladder and how you can make the next step and get the next promotion or kind of like do the diagonal move and get that senior directorship or the VP or like go and co-found and, and get more money. The, the first thing that you need to do is you need to be able to break out of that model. Because if you're always going to be going that way and chasing the, the next step up and, and all the things that that entails, I don't think you can ever get to a situation where you can make that shift. Like the Swedish have this really nice word called lagom and it's, it's Swedish for enough. And it actually comes from when they used to share drinks together. You would drink, drink, and then you would say lagom, and you would pass it on to the next person. The idea being, like, you just take what you need, and that's it. And I think that mentality is a huge part of the life that we have chosen to live. It's like, someone says, like, how do you do this? I say, like, well, what does enough look like? What is enough for you? What kind of life do you need to live to be able to enable that to happen? It might be as simple as going down to four days a week. It doesn't even need to be going down to four days a week. It's like, oh, just negotiating to work from home mm. for four days a week becomes a big change and going in one day a week. But coming to that, coming to it from a place of understanding what it is that you're going towards, like what is the life that you want to be living? What can you do to move yourself closer to that every day? To go back to this like mental model and how we see careers and how we train ourselves, it's like, I'm going to work like crazy until I'm 60 and then I'm going to retire and then I'm really going to enjoy myself. And it's like, so what does enjoying yourself look like when you're 60? And can you like bring that closer? Can you like start to live bits of that now rather than waiting all that time? And if, and if it is possible, figuring out ways to make it work. It's so interesting you say that because I think about this a lot. Do you know what I mean? I'm 37. When I'm 60, I'll have missed my kids growing up. So yeah. what am I going to like? And also like my health is struggling. Like, can I have my pension now? And I'll work when I'm 70. Like, that's the deal I want to make. I totally agree with you because it's about what are we giving up? We, we chase these dreams. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, <laughs> right, next. And it's like, what, what have I missed out on? And there's been like a, there was a, like a Harvard study. And I think it said something like any, any, any money that you earn over $75,000 a year won't make you any happier. It's like, there's the idea that there's a, there's a level of money that you, 
that you need to have a, a good life and you're not struggling and your children aren't hungry and all of these things that are incredibly important but there's also the flip side of it which is the the i'm gonna say men the men who say like i'm doing it for my kids and i'm working like 60 hours a week and i, I don't see them because i'm doing it for them you're really doing something for your kids i think you'd be at home and like picking them up from school and like being present and putting them to bed and everything like that because i just realized this when i was google i was and i thought i'm gonna get to the point where my daughter is like 14 and she just she's not really bothered about spending time with me anymore and i will have lost all of that time because right now she thinks i'm the best thing and it's amazing <laughs> a friend of mine told me the analogy and he said it's like when the apollo mission went behind the moon it goes up and it goes there and everything's going great and you're talking and then it goes behind the moon and there's like a, a few years where there's just no real contact happening and you're just hoping for the best and then it comes out of the other side of the moon and you're back in touch and you're talking again exactly and like i i need to drink that like start of the apollo mission do you know what i mean and yeah like, can be yeah totally than doing that how can organizations help new fathers? Is, are there things that they could put in place? I think tech companies are very good at like putting these ERG employee resource groups together. There's all these different groups. And I think to put some way of connecting dads to each other inside an organization could be very, very powerful because I think it's quite lonely sometimes as a new dad to not feel comfortable talking to other men in your life about it. Just to connect these people and make them very, very comfortable talking about any struggles that they're going through. As I found in my own life as a dad, it's like when I can talk to other dads about the about the hard times, to get to this point of when somebody asks how it's going, that you can say, hey, you know what? It's really not going great. And these, I'm finding these things really hard rather than, all right, Let's talk about something else. Give men permission to have these conversations. And I get these messages saying, hey, somebody forwarded this into like a WhatsApp dad's group that I'm a part of. And we just had this really like great conversation that we've never had about like some of the tough times that we're going through. To go back to that vulnerability loop, it's, I kind of have to lead by example in a way to say like, hey, it's okay to talk about these things and you will feel better if you do. What are the main things that, that people struggle with? As dads? Yeah. There are probably some themes that are consistent, but it's very individual because I think it's a combination of, you know, when you become a dad, it really forces you to interrogate your place in the world. I get, I get very regular emails about like, hey, I didn't have a good dad. Yeah. And I don't know if I can be a good dad because I didn't have one. So I'm looking for help. I get emails from like, hey, I'm just, I'm not sure about having kids. And I don't know what it's going to be like. And I'm kind of a bit scared. And I'm looking for some kind of insight and some kind of reassurance that this is going to be a good thing to do. I write a lot about careers. It's such a core part of what fatherhood means today. Because if, if you're at a job, which is like mine was, which takes everything from you, you can't be the dad that you want to be. So it's like, hey, how do I do this? And how did you do this? And so there's, it's really, it's really quite individual. I'm always trying not to preach and to tell people the type of dad that they should be. I hope that what I do is to say like, these are the struggles that I'm going through. And this is the way that I have found that works for me. And maybe you can take something from that and try and figure something out that will work for you. It's a kind of a non-judgmental friend who's kind of saying all these things you relate and you're like, oh yeah, maybe what I'm feeling is okay. It's a really powerful thing. I think having other 
dads in your life that share some of the same things that care about some of the same things that you care about and i think the the thing with the new fatherhood i think is is it acts as this kind of lighthouse that brings dads who aren't scared of talking about their feelings it brings them all together and you get those people together and you end up having some like pretty great conversations kevin could you tell everybody that's listening a little bit more about where to find you how they get onto the the new fatherhood um Sure, absolutely. Um, they can, people can sign up for the newsletter at thenewfatherhood.org, New Fatherhood on Instagram, and then on Twitter, I am uh, Kev McGuire, and I occasionally like post different things there. But I, the newsletter is where I put the bulk of my focus. I write about anything that intersects with fatherhood in any way. So sometimes it's about career, sometimes it's about spirituality, mindfulness, meditation. Other times it's about kind of like productivity and just like observations about storage solutions and things like that. And my goal is to make it the best email that a dad will get every week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity in Tech podcast. For more information or to join our global community, visit dintglobal.com. That's D-I-N-T global.com.